the volume. Oral Sessions is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there's a contest for every fan. FanDuel, more ways to win. Hey guys, welcome to Oral Sessions. We have one hell of an episode for you today because I am joined by none other than the Deathmatch King himself, the King of GCW, their world champion, Matt Cardona. Was he just on the show very recently with his fiance, who was guest hosting an episode with Chelsea Green? He sure was. Um, but it wasn't me getting to interview him, and Chelsea did an absolutely outstanding job. I love that episode. I listened to that episode in order to prepare myself for this episode. But a lot has happened since then. To sit back and watch GCW and watch Matt Cardona, of course, formerly known as Zack Ryder from WWE, to see him step into this new role and do a death match with the one, the only Nick Gage and to defeat him, become the champion at GCW and then watch the chaos ensue after this happened. Oh, my God. This was like this is what wrestling fans dream of. I feel like this is what wrestlers dream of to have the kind of reaction that Matt Cardona got from that GCW crowd was so great. This is a really fun chat. I mean, Matt and I have known him my whole time, obviously, at WWE. So to be able to sit down and talk with him like this, have a little chit chat on the other side of WWE to talk about all the other things he's working on, um, different promotions he wants to work for, who he wants to work with. Uh, And of course, we get into some of his collectibles, which blew my freaking mind. I, of course, knew he was a big collector. Duh. Anyways, let's get into it. Here he is. Here's the GCW world champion. Matt Cardona. Should I show up the title? Yeah, of course. I mean, I do just have it here just in case because I'm of always ready. Of course you do. Yes. Right Look at always that. ready. This will be, be a social clip, I'm sure. How was it getting <laughs> the blood off of that thing? Oh, I really had to clean it. Like in the hotel the next day, I got a rag, soap, gave it a belt bath. Okay. So speaking from experience, what was that like? I mean, we've got a lot to get into with um, all things GCW and all things Matt Cardona, but the cleanup experience for you and then like the flight home. Yeah. The flight home after that. Like, how was that? It was a disaster because believe it or not, there's no like medical staff backstage at GCW. Shocker. Uh, Luckily, there was a (laughs) nurse who did stitch me up a bit. But then like all my slices and wounds were exposed. And uh, luckily, my friend John Carlo had a, a hotel room he let me use to shower off. And then he taped towels to me so I could fly home. And he like dressed me, like put a sleeveless shirt on me and my hoodie. And I went through airport security like that. Uh, and I was flying right to Anaheim for Disneyland for this trip I had planned. I was just bleeding out on this flight and it would dry. And then as I would move, it would like rip open again. And like, I was just, there was just blood everywhere. I had to go to a hotel. Like my plan was just go right to meet Chelsea and go to Universal first, but I had to get a hotel and like clean up. I needed her to get bandages for me. Like I took a little nap in the hotel. It looked like I was stabbed or stabbed somebody. It's horrifying because uh, I've yeah. obviously had a similar experience with John when he's come home, uh, you know, recently with his uh, business with Nick Gage as well. That man is uh, a menace to society, obviously. 
But he came home and he was wearing a leather jacket when he did his thing. It's actually still in our laundry room downstairs because I was like, I don't really know how to address this. Like, if I take it to a dry cleaners, are they going to think that like someone was murdered? Like, right, what, exactly. How, yeah. Like, how do you explain that? So now I think that I think the jacket just I don't know, maybe you just auction it off. Maybe somebody will want it. No, that's scary. No, I sold all my bloody gear. Did you? For big bucks, baby. <laughs> that's right. You've got more collection. I sold the boots. I sold the wrist tape. I sold the gloves, (laughs) the pants, the shirts, all sold separately. What was the total that you made off of that? It was more than I got paid for the match. Let's just say that. (laughs) I got paid for a lot for the match, but that's how much the stuff was going for. I don't control the market. You know, it's supply and demand. Yeah. You're you're the hardcore uh, king. How does it feel to have this title? I am the deathmatch king. I am. You know, I, I, I. <laughs> I, you know, I seriously want to be the face of GCW. I think there are some things that I can help bring to the table. Like maybe I think their merchandise needs some work. I think they need some ring aprons. Maybe, maybe a doctor <laughs> backstage. A few things to look into there. Yeah. How did you feel going into this match? Did you know really what you were getting into? I've heard about Nick Gage. I've never seen a full Nick Gage match, but of course I've seen clips. I I tried watching the dark side of the ring. I couldn't get through it because it was too gory and disgusting. So like I knew, okay, I'm going to bleed in this match. It's going to happen. There's going to be light tubes. That's why I wore all white. I did not think my white shirt would turn red. I didn't think it would be completely red with no signs of white. I did not realize there would be pizza cutters or glass. Uh, Maybe I should have uh, done more research. Um, But it was intense. It was it was crazy. And and I love it. It was such a, an adrenaline rush. I felt like I really got to be me out there. And the response from the people, like they absolutely hated me. And I loved that. I loved it. Uh, was it scary that, you know, some people were throwing pizza cutters at me after the match? Like, I think that's crossing the line a bit. Throw a bottle at me. Throw a beer, a soda. Cool. But a pizza cutter? What were you thinking when that happened? I mean, that was like a big sort of uproar on the internet about, uh, you know, people saying there was plants in the crowd, blah, blah, blah. I'll say this right now. If there was a plant and you want to expose yourself, I will give you $1,000 in cash (laughs) and then I will punch you in the face. Okay. If there's a plant, come, come clean. I'll give you a thousand bucks. There was no, there was no plant. If there was, I don't know about it. And I'd love to punch you in the face if there was, but my celebration got ruined because in my mind, I thought, okay, if I win, I have this sponsorship with Pat's Blue Ribbon, major PBR, use the hashtag. So I'm like, if I win this, how great would it be if I have a couple PBRs and, and cheers and toast? I didn't even get to do that because they're legitimately throwing things at me and I'm like covering up. It was pretty scary. And the GCW, I guess, security, like, bro, we got to get out of here. Go out the front, run out the front. I was like, okay, if they're, if they're scared, then I'm scared. Would you have ever imagined during your time in WWE and being Zack Ryder to now not being in WWE, doing your own thing, that this would have been the pivot that you took in your career and now having what can be this whole new life in your career? Yeah, no, I definitely would not have imagined it. Uh, And this kind of just fell into place. It fell into my lap and the opportunity was there. And at first I thought it was kind of like a joke. I don't know, like if fans started tweeting it or or Nick Gage started tweeting me. I think everyone kind of thought that it was at first. It was like, wait, for real? And I was playing along with it too. I just thought it was a joke. I, you know, I'm like, yeah, sure. MDK, but I turned it into major Detolf collectors. A Detolf is this thing from Ikea that people put toys in. I'm like, yeah, I'm in. But then it turned into this, it escalated. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. But 
I was very scared going into the match. 100, like right, right before I went to the curtain, I'm like, are they going to try to kill me in here and like get some, like legitimately kill me, like murder me in the ring. And it's like trending forever. GCW kills Macrodona. Like I wasn't sure. John and I were watching it from home and it was just like, just to see something like that and to see that reaction. I mean, as a wrestler and as a wrestling fan, that's what you want, but damn, that's horrifying. What was the worst part for you looking at a death match as far as like the light tubes, the glass, like what the pizza cutter? I told myself going into this, like, okay, light tubes, whatever I'll do, you know, chairs, whatever. I'm like, I'm not doing that pizza cutter bullshit. I'm not doing glass. But when you're in there with Nick Gage, you're going to do what he wants you to do. You know, you don't really have a choice. So I went through glass. I got the pizza cutter and I superplexed him through this glass pane. And like, yeah, it hurt. I went through glass. But the referee was like, do you want to continue? Like legitimately, do you want to continue? Your arm is really, really bad. Your shoulder's like gushing blood. I'm like. I was like, if this referee is scared for me, then I'm scared. It must be hard to evaluate, yeah, how bad the damage is when you're relying on somebody else to kind of clue you into just how bad you're bleeding. If you're bleeding from somewhere you should not be bleeding from, especially with someone like Nick Cage who died for eight minutes doing a match like this. Like, that's really scary stuff to to be able to feel that out as you're going. Like I said, I knew I was going to bleed. That's why I wore the all white. I thought I'd have a couple like trickles of blood. I didn't realize it'd be covered. So I couldn't tell where the blood was really coming from, you know? So when this referee is telling me that my arm is like really sliced up, but I've seen pictures afterwards, it looks like, it doesn't even look like blood's coming out. It's like, like ooze is coming out. That's when I got scared. It's been what, just over a week now for just you? Just, week, about, yeah. just over a week. How's the healing going? It's not too bad. I don't know if I can show you. Like, it's it's okay. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> the bruises, the gnarliest part. Those bruises are terrible. I just started going to the gym uh, a couple of days ago. I tried going and I was like, how am I going to do pull ups with this? You know, and then, and then today someone pulled me aside the gym because, you know, I'm wearing like a broski cut shirt and show up the muscles. I can't wear sleeves to the gym. Uh, and he's like, oh, what happened to you? I'm like, oh, it was a wrestling match. He's like, He thought it was like collegiate wrestling. He's like, oh, did the person not cut their nails? <laughs> I'm like, no, I went through glass. <laughs> not cut their nails. You're like, yeah, well, something else happened. Um, for you, the reaction online, the fact that you guys were trending number one in the U.S. over the Olympics and over UFC, that's huge. I mean, you are the internet champion, obviously, still. Then now forever. Listen, I'm not going to lie. It was it was fucking cool. And uh, I didn't sleep that whole night. I had an early flight. Uh, and then, like, my doctor, John Carlo, was attending to me. So I didn't sleep. So, like, I had, like, an extra hour that I got to the airport. I'm like, I'm not going to sleep in my car right now. I'll just go to the airport an hour early. And I was just going through my Twitter. And I couldn't even make it through all the tweets in an hour. I just had to give up. So if you tweeted me, thank you very much. Looking at what Nick Gage has done now uh, in his match uh, on AEW with Chris Jericho, what do you think about seeing a match like that on mainstream television? I think there's room for anything. Um, you know, I respected Nick Gage before the match, certainly now, not just because of, like the violence, not just because he died in the ring, because he's made a name for himself. I saw firsthand like the love and respect that his fans give him. No writer can write that. You know, that, that's, that can't be manufactured. That's real. Is deathmatch wrestling my favorite style of wrestling? No, it's not even. You're their king now. Yeah, I am their king. <laughs> and that's what they that's what they 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 hate about me. But it's probably my least favorite style of wrestling. But who am I to say that it's not correct or it's not acceptable? I, I think there's room for anything, and I think the ratings prove that. I, I'm pretty sure the the ratings for Jericho Gage were through the roof, uh, and then me and Gage were number one over the UFC and the Olympics. So that kind of speaks for itself. 
What a time for wrestling. It's it's really it's very exciting to watch. And I feel like I'm watching everything just from the outside now because I don't work for any wrestling companies at all right now. So just to kind of watch everything that's happening, watching this part of your career for you, it's really cool to see the legs that things are taking on. There's so much going on. There's wrestling on TV like every night of the week. Who's going where? It's so much fun. I think it's a great time to be a fan. Certainly a great time for me to be a wrestler because I've been just doing whatever I want to do, having like the best time of my life. If I wanted to, or if the company wanted me to, I could show up anywhere on any day. I have no contract. I hate using the term free agent, but I guess like I am, I can really do whatever I want. Nobody can tell me what to do, what not to do. And I'm just having so much fun. What is it like being like a WWE guy for, you know, a decade plus and then going into somewhere like GCW, what is it like sort of like the behind the scenes of that or walking into a locker room of, uh, you know, other wrestlers that don't come from WWE? I don't want anyone to think that I have this like I'm better than you attitude. I don't. Not at all. This past year, whether I did like the, the cup of coffee at AEW or the impact stuff or indie stuff or GCW, I've been just trying all these different new things or me and EC3, we put on this pay-per-view match or the, the major wrestling pockets. We put on a pay-per-view wrestling show. Like I've done so much this year and it's just fun to just try different things and, and just have fun. And, you know, it's not like I'm throwing things against the wall. I'm just trying all these things that I want to do. You know, it's great. And there's no one to tell me no. What else do you want to do? What are some other like bucket list things or different styles of matches or different promotions that you want to work in? What's kind of on that, uh, your vision board, the Matt Cardona dream board. Yeah. I think I would love to go to Japan, Mexico. I've been there through WWE, but never like, I want to go there without WWE and really experience it and really be there for, you know, not just a day or two. Uh, I've been just having so much fun with the, the podcast, the major wrestling podcast and turning it into a podcast network where we just have like even more podcasts and that's, it's taken up so much time, but now we do live shows and we have our own action figures, you know, and this is something that WWE wanted nothing to do with, which was a blessing in disguise because we came to them and whatever it was called, the, the Zach Ryder, Kurt Hawkins wrestling podcast. They're like, no, we see nothing in collectibles. We see nothing in podcasts, but you know what? It was a blessing in disguise because we get fired. It's this global pandemic. You can't go wrestle anywhere. How are you going to make money? Oh shit. We have this podcast and all these people are sitting home wanting content. And now, um, you know, they're, they're, they're getting nostalgic for these toys. They have nothing. They can't spend money on anything else. So they're just buying these old toys and they want to hear people talk about it. So our business like blew up and that all would have been taken away. If we did the Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins wrestling figure podcast, it would have been gone. It's so crazy how things like that work that like, you know, you assume being fired during a pandemic and watching, you know, everything unfold the way that it has for WWE and the way it continues to unfold for WWE, you think everyone would just kind of hit a panic button where, yeah, I mean, you've really turned it into such a positive you and Chelsea watching what you guys have been able to do of just like keeping your careers going. It's a great time to be a wrestler. It's a great time to kind of take your career into your own hands. Did you feel that the whole time? Or like when you got that two Oh three number pop up on your phone, what kind of went through your mind when that happened initially? You know, we got this this weird like link with Vince McMahon cutting this promo about how these cuts are becoming. I was like, okay, I'm probably gonna be on there, which it is what it is, right? Uh, so that was like April, and my contract was gonna be up in August, and I had not resigned because I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I was offered a deal, a new deal, like everyone else was, like a year before, and I still hadn't signed it because, you know, of course, Barbie wants to. Maybe things will turn around. I always had hope, and I always was positive about it. At the end of the day, I was like. 
how much can I possibly do or let me try something else? But I didn't know. And the anxiety um, was eating me alive and I didn't really know it um, until I got released. And like that, that anxiety was gone instantly. And it was like, oh my God, thank God. And at that point I was afraid, like, you know, like uh, Gallows got fired, Anderson, Heath, uh, Hawkins was like, oh my God, like, are they not going to fire me and just let me rot till August and have my contract? I'm like, oh no, at this point, please fire me. I already set up my pro wrestling D store. I was ready to make it live. And then as soon as I got released, like hit it live, let's go. That is so smart. I mean, I know that you've obviously made such a successful career off of, you know, all things professional wrestling, but the fact that you had like the, the foresight to look into having that stuff ready to go so that you weren't left with your hands empty, like, you know, as soon as that happened, you were like ready to go. I feel like so many other people would have been like clinging on to the hope of like, no, 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 let me stay, let me stay. But for you to kind of turn that into no, now business is back in your hands. Yeah. It, it was time to listen. I am so grateful for WWE. The time I spent there, like my whole adult life was in WWE. I got signed when I was 20 years old. Uh, so my whole twenties were there. Uh, half of my thirties. I, I loved it. It was awesome but it was time to leave and, and they made that decision for me. So I guess they felt the same way, you know? <laughs> <laughs> was there anything that you wish had gone differently during your time there? Of course. Like, listen, everyone wants to be Goldberg and, and, and win every single title <laughs> under the sun, but that's not, sure. that's not reality. And uh, you know, I don't want to look back with regrets. I'm very fortunate for the moments I did have. And I feel like, the things I had were moments and I genuinely scratched and clawed for those moments. And the fans, I think saw that. So, you know, when I win the intercontinental title at WrestleMania, it's a moment. It's not just, just winning it. You know, yeah. it's like people have like felt it. Uh, at least I did. And then my dad, like hopping the guardrail legitimately, like you can't write that stuff. And then, you know, losing it the next day. I think that's part of the story. I wish I could have lost it that night. Like who cares if I would have kept it for two months and lost it a backlash to Cesaro. It doesn't matter. Everyone remembers I had that one day and that's all that matters. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's the thing with wrestling. It's, it's always about the moments and how people felt in those moments. And yeah, I think everyone who was watching WrestleMania at that time would remember that moment of you and your dad yeah. in the ring. Sure. Did your dad, did your dad tan you for that? Uh, he might have sprayed <laughs> my back. <laughs> Uh, what did your dad think of uh, of the death match? Oh, so him and my mom did not watch it, but they saw the pictures. They were not happy, mm -hmm. especially my mom. Not happy, As, especially not happy when I kept posting more and more photos about it. And that's <laughs> the thing. Like, I'm going to rub this in everybody's face. Yeah. So, like, if, if you're asking like, how many times could he post pictures of this match? Oh, I have a lot more pictures to post. Maybe. <laughs> like, I, I, I want to rub it in everyone's face. Like. And not like, you know, I don't want to, I always say this, I don't want to prove people wrong. I want to prove myself and my supporters right. But at this point, like this GCW audience, the GCW universe, they hate me. So I'm going to do whatever I can to make them hate me even more. I don't want to be liked. I don't want to convert them. Hate me. Is there a part of you that, I don't want to say like chip on your shoulder, but does want to prove to people what your body of work can look like now outside of WWE and now that you are in creative control of everything that you do? Honestly, no, I do not care about proving anybody wrong. I don't like, I just want to prove like, I care about the people who supported me, whether it's from, you know, the old YouTube show or, you know, through the major rest of her podcast, or even like with the edgehead days and the woo, -woo stuff. Like I want to prove those diehards, right. You made the right choice when you decided I'm going to root for this guy. I don't care about, you know, the people on the internet or the haters like good. Don't like me. Don't become a fan. If you do become a fan, great. And I'd love to have you, 
but that's not my goal is to convert you over. And keep buying that bloody merch. That's right. Buy it all piece by piece. I put out like <laughs> 10 new t-shirts this week. I don't care. Just pump them out, baby. Crumbs make crumb cake. Make that money. 100%. You're so smart about that. I love it. What is it like for you um, working with Chelsea? You guys got to team up recently, which was great, even though you teased that perhaps I could have been your tag team partner. And I think that, you know, I think that you overlooked my athletic prowess and that's okay. Um, how is it working with Chelsea? It was cool. Uh, so I had the the mystery partner at Impact Slammiversary. Um, and like, come on, everyone knew it was going to be her. But sometimes in wrestling, you need to give the people what they want. The swerve is great. And there's always time for the swerve. Sometimes just give them what they want or what, you know, if they expect something, you got to give it. Uh, so it was, it was fun teaming with her. Listen, I don't want to have like a mixed tag team career, but I would love to have her by my side. Uh, and it, it's great. It makes life easier. Um, you know, we have totally different schedules. I, I don't want to know anything about her wrestling stuff. I don't care where she's getting booked. I don't care like what moves she wants to practice. I don't care what, what storyline she has in mind. I don't give a shit. And, and I think that's what makes our relationship like last and work is because we, we typically keep business and pleasure separate. So this will be a little interesting actually traveling together like. We were in the same hotel last time Impact and I hated it. Okay, I, so like, why? <laughs> I find this fascinating because you guys were talking about this when, when Chelsea hosted my show. And I mean, obviously I can relate to a degree. I'm not wrestling, but from the wrestling world, I mean, John and I obviously end up talking about wrestling a yeah, lot. Of course, it's going to come up, of course. But okay, why did you not like sharing a hotel room? Because like I have my routine, right? I have my routine and like, she's getting like a makeup artist coming to do makeup at like nine in the morning. No, I got to get up. Like, I don't, I don't want to be like changing in the bathroom or do my hair. Like I want to just be free. Well, doing your hair is a whole process, right? Don't you have it's, your it's a whole process, <laughs> the whole process. We could have a whole podcast about that. <laughs> Maybe you guys should just get like one of those conjoining rooms and that way you can just keep the door open between the two and then, you know, retreat to where you need to. I don't think there's anything wrong with being on separate floors, having separate rooms. And when we want to, if we want to like, you know, cuddle, whatever, make out, yeah, well, come to my room, babe. But like no reason to be the same room. And like, I'm kind of, I like, I, like I said, I have my routine. I like lay out all my clothes, uh, all my supplements. I feel like that's where we need to take the bigger deep dive. Yeah. You need to lay out all of your stuff more than you need to lay down next to your fiance. You're telling her to boot it up to another floor. Take the elevator or the stairs <laughs> up to another room so that you can get all your shit out. It's just a process, you know, and like now with the podcast, if I have my podcast group is set up. Are you a little OCD? I guess it depends. Maybe sometimes. It sounds like it. My problem is I'm very unorganized. So like my bags, when you open it up, it looks like something exploded in there. So now I have to like reorganize when I get to the hotel. John and I would kind of battle with that sometimes because I always felt like he would be on the road prior to me because doing house shows, obviously, but I would get to TV before he did TV hotel. So I felt like the room was always clean. Then he would come in and make it a mess, but he always claimed that it was me. And it was like, we still go back and forth. We do that in the house now still of trying to decide who the messy one is. And it's, it's not me. She's a big like room service for that room service, uh, like housekeeping. Like, I don't want, I don't want them coming in. Like, I don't care. Like if it's messy, I don't need the bed made. I don't need new towels. I don't want, cause I want to leave my stuff out. I want to leave my, whether it's my podcast equipment or my rare wrestling figure I bought on the road out. I don't want someone coming in the room. Just get them out of here. I kind of agree with that because there's nothing worse than when you're sleeping and they keep knocking on the door and you're like, no, I don't need my room clean. They can't hear you through the door and then you've got to get up and like, 
Oh my God. That stuff drives me absolutely bonkers. We would go. Yeah. I mean, I do not miss those days at all. Um, okay. How was it working with your ex, by the way, before I move on? It was fine. It was actually, that was actually my. Daniel Dashwood is who I'm speaking about everybody, obviously. That was actually my idea to do this mixed tag. And I wasn't sure if everyone would go for it and everyone did. And it ended up being really, really fun. And we were all super professional about it. And it was, it was, yeah, I thought it was fine. I hope everyone else did. <laughs> well, people enjoyed watching it. So that's kind of all that really matters. And we've moved on and now you're the deathmatch king. So it's all behind you. Um, okay. So all of your collector items that are behind you, what is the most prized possession of them all? Oh, this is just like stuff for a backdrop. This is even like top shelf stuff. <laughs> I got another room. Uh, that's like my addiction is, is wrestling toys and collectibles, not just wrestling. There's other things I have like Ghostbusters, Star Wars, Ninja Turtles. If anyone knows me or follows me on social media, they can tell I'm just a big kid who kind of never grew up. Now that I actually make some money, I can get some like really rare stuff and not just have to go to Walmart and Target, you know, <laughs> so I can get like pre-production stuff, stuff that never came out. That was, you know, for instance, in a, a wrestling magazine or in a Christmas catalog, but it only got to that stage. And I have a couple of those in my collection. So that's really, really cool. I call myself the Michael Jordan of wrestling figure collecting. Clearly you are at the tippy top upper echelon of collectors, <laughs> but if your house was on fire right now and you could only take one thing with you, what would you be getting? Okay. So I get asked this question a lot and this, not that my house was ever on fire, but a couple of years ago, there was supposed to be a really bad hurricane. And I went up and I got this out of the toy room and I took it with me. So I had it safe. It's this unreleased Greg, the hammer Valentine figure in his rhythm and blues outfit where he has the, the black hair. Uh, it was in a Toys R Us ad in a WF magazine in like 90, 91. And it, it never came out. So as a kid, I thought I just didn't have it because I would go to the stores and look for it. Years later, you learn it was unreleased, which is kind of, you know, it's common in the toy biz that things just don't come out for whatever reason. And I was able to obtain the hand painted prototype. Like people think I go on eBay, which I do sometimes, but it's always like underground, like Facebook groups and stuff like that. And I was able to buy it from a ex Hasbro employee. And now that's, that's my number one. And I'm not even like a Greg the Hammer Valentine fan. Not that I'm not a fan of his. I, I'm just not like, it's just the figure. How much did you pay for that? I'd rather not say. Come <laughs> Tell me. I, I acquired it in a in a lot of other pre-production items. And he was, it was like you have to buy it all or nothing. You can't just buy it like piece by piece. So I spent forty three thousand dollars on the, the, the lot. Fuck up. I, I'm a toy businessman. So I was able to keep what I wanted, including that Greg, flip the rest, and make a profit. So I won. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So you're just like, yeah, this is a lucrative business that you were running. Yes. Listen, I know nothing about stocks, the stock market. I, I, you know, I have some things in there. I don't know what I'm doing, uh, but the toy business. Oh yeah, baby. I'm in. My knowledge of your toy collecting and the, the um, mass amounts of money that you were spending on these things is usually coming through either Dolph Ziggler telling me about it or <laughs> Miz. So yeah. this is what I'm hearing and it blows their mind of what you do, but I did not know that you were flipping it around and also making an insane profit off of it. So jokes on them. Not always, but I have, you know, I don't buy things to flip things, but sometimes an opportunity presents itself. Like I buy things and I say, I let them breathe. Like I, I, I just open them up. I don't care about the value. I don't care about how much it's going to be worth in five years. I, I buy them for me and, and to display them. But if someone, you know, offers me a lot of money for something, I'll do it. Like for instance, this is a weird, weird story. Uh, like in the eighties, this company LJN, they, they made Miss Elizabeth, whatever. Like I have it, Miss Elizabeth, she's in her, her skirt, whatever. But 
in the, the factory or the warehouse, like they were fucking around and they made a couple naked ones, nipples, pubic hair. Really? Like, like, yeah, like it wasn't for sale. It was just like kind of like a joke. What was like the Bush situation? Bushy. It was the eighties. Good for her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when I was presented the opportunity to buy this, I felt like I just had to. Right. So I had it. But then when I got it, I felt like just dirty. And I knew like Macho Man would be very upset that I own this. And like, you can't proudly display this, like this naked woman. I don't know. I would have. So like I had her on display, but she was like in the back. So you couldn't tell she was naked. What a prude. <laughs> what a prude yeah, you are. Um, so anyway, so we did a YouTube video about the history of the LJN figures and I brought it out and we even blurred it. You know, we we're very PG. We blurred it out and somebody contacted me about it to buy. I said, listen, not for sale. Cause people hit me up all the time to buy my stuff. I said, not for sale. And they kept just like DMing me and DMing me. I said, okay, bro, make me an offer. I can't refuse. He made me an offer. It's pretty good. I, I'm like, add a couple, you know, add a couple thousand to that. I sold it for $45,000. Holy shit. $45,000 for a naked Miss Elizabeth. Wow. How do you even like, how do people like, how do you do a transaction like that? People just like Venmo you this money. How does this work? Yeah. So it's very risky. So like, like, like bank transfers or like PayPal friends and family, I've done a lot of cash deals, believe it or not in Disney world, like people will be like coming on vacation and either buying something for me or selling me something. And we'll meet up at like a hotel and like do like a cash deal in the parking oh lot. My, like shady yeah, stuff. That's super shady. Yeah, but I love it. That's love fantastic. It. Um, okay. So of everything that's in your house, you've got everything behind you, which you said is, you know, not top shelf business. The whole other yeah, room. Just, these are just props. These How much props. do you think is it's everything is worth that you have there? Um, do you keep track of that? Do you have like a filing system? Not a filing system, but I do have the room insured for $800,000. It could be a little less, a little more, maybe. And, and, and items and their value fluctuate. But yeah, I, I definitely have the room protected, locked, motion sensors, glass break alarm. It's yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Do you let people in there when you have like visitors and stuff? Or are you pretty protective of it? Sometimes people ask and I let them in, but like for it, like I have so much stuff in there. It's like too much stuff. Like when I first bought this house, I was single. I was by myself. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Four bedroom house. Like, oh, this is great. Uh, and I remember uh, Christian came over, Jay, uh, I had like this like housewarming party. He came over. He's like, yeah, nice little starter home kid. And I was like, so offended. Like starter home. What are you talking about? This is, I'm going to live here forever. But he's right, because now with Chelsea and we have two dogs and three cats. And if we ever have kids and with my toys, it's I don't have enough room for things. So anyway, there's there's like you have to the door won't fully open. So if you do like the Scott Hall walk to get in, you know, what I'm saying, you know, that Scott Hall walk. <laughs> oh, my so, God. So one time Otis was was over and he wanted to see the room. And, you know, Otis, I love Otis. But he got a big belly. Literal and, bull in a yeah. china shop. And his belly knocked into one of my detolf cases and like knocked over all my Terminator figures. So I'm like, Oh, it's okay, man. It's okay. But inside <laughs> and I was you're sweating. Yeah. That's fantastic. I had no idea the level. I mean, I knew, but I didn't know like to even get it insured. How do you go about that? There's a whole collectible like insurance like company. Wow. Like, people like they insure, like whether it be like trading cards or stamps or like vintage gun, like there's yeah. all like anything really. Okay, so you obviously have all the wrestling figures. You mentioned Ninja Turtles, Terminator, Ghostbusters. Is there anything else in there that we're missing? Star Wars. Like I have mm. a, uh, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Star Wars at all, but I have this. I mean, I've heard of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's this Han Solo in Carbonite statue. It's very famous in uh -huh. one of the movies. And I have that it, when you first walk into my house. Uh, so, so Chelsea was here 
And I wasn't when that arrived. And that was not a good day for me. FanDuel Sportsbook is hooking new users up with an epic summer games bonus. Just place your first bet of at least 10 bucks on any summer game sport and get a $100 bonus. Bet at least 20 bucks and you're going to get $200 bonus. That's a bonus up to $200 regardless of the outcome of the bet. So to get you guys started, you know, kind of just tip things off here for you, uh, pun intended. What I'm going to be looking for here is the USA men's basketball team. I think they're going to win the whole thing. They're coming back with gold. This is what the tea leaves are looking like for me. So that's my inside scoop for you guys. Um, And guys, remember that you're going to get the bonus on any summer games event, baseball, basketball, soccer, track and field, and many more when you place your first bet of $10 or more until August 8th. Promotions like this are just one of the many reasons why I love betting with America's number one sports book. If I can do it, you can do it. It's incredibly easy to navigate. It's all laid out for you. So simple. It's safe and secure. Hello. We all need that this day and age. And fast payouts. You guys get paid in as little as 24 hours. Drop that money, turn it around, put it back in your pocket. So download the FanDuel Sportsbook app with promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, and go for the gold today. That's promo code Renee. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Minimum bet $10. Max bonus $200. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana, 1-800-GAMBLER for New Jersey and Virginia, or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Okay, so you moved from obviously being in uh, Long Island down to Florida. What was that like for you making that transition from New York to Florida? Where do you stand on that? Looking back, it was the best decision I ever made. It was very scary to leave Long Island because, you know, I, I left home before for wrestling. I lived in uh, McDonough, Georgia. I lived in Louisville, Kentucky, but like Long Island was home and my, my family were there, my friends, they still are. And coming down to Orlando is like, is this the right move? And then once I got here, uh, I blew out my knee. So it was like, I thought I was going to be here like two and a half days a week. Turned out to be like seven days a week. I'm like, oh, this is going to suck. But I ended up meeting like Chelsea, like right away. And I, like, if I didn't move to Orlando, I wouldn't have met her. So. It all worked out. Not to like harp on the you and Chelsea thing and turn this into a relationship thing, but knowing you and uh, seeing you with someone that I think you guys are really like a perfect pair. Yeah, I think so too. You know, when we, we, we clicked like right off the bat, well, not right off the bat, because at first she like was like trying to like, oh, I'm sick. I can't go on this date or like trying to get out of things. And eventually I said, listen, are we going on this date or not? We went on one and then we didn't see each other for like another month, but we would text every day. And then after date two, uh, like that was it. She was hooked. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I get it. I, I know how it goes. I feel like John and I were very similar to that, that as soon as we actually hung out and got together, we're like, oh, I guess like we're just always together now. That's just how it's going to be. I didn't want to date a wrestler. I told myself forever. I'm not going to date anyone in the business. And then finally did, like we mentioned before, didn't work out. I'm like, okay, I'm definitely not dating a wrestler in the business. Uh, so that's why I was like very, very hesitant, like hanging out with her, but I wasn't really taking it seriously. And then like, you know, a couple of weeks go by and like her toothbrush is there. And then like, you know, like she left her Start shirt infiltrating like, the property. Yeah. And, and now, you know, we have three cats and two dogs where you get married. So it all worked out. When are you getting married? What's going on with this? I feel like this has been long drawn out because of the pandemic. We were supposed to get married last New Year's Eve, but with the pandemic and everything, it got 
you know, we had to cancel it. So the plan is to do it again this year, New Year's Eve. Oh, fantastic. Where are you going to do it? Uh, Las Vegas. Oh, my God. That's where I live. You guys should come get married in our backyard the way that John and I did. We got married off of Yelp. You guys should do that. 500 bucks. I wish I was spending 500 bucks, but it's, it's, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's been a, a little more than that. Little more pricey than that. Um, okay. So when you left WWE, I remember seeing something about what they wanted to use your pool for a shoot or something. <laughs> what the fuck happened? Chelsea still worked in WWE and they were doing something with Otis and Mandy Rose and they needed a pool. So they asked Chelsea if they could use like our pool. And then like Chelsea asked me and I said like, absolutely fucking not. So I don't know how <laughs> she relayed the message, but I was pretty damn pissed. No I'm like, shit. you're telling me you don't know anyone who lives in Orlando was a fucking pool. Right. <laughs> Obviously they did. They found somebody. Unbelievable. Like when I heard that, I was like, there's no way that couldn't have happened. But I mean, I that, can that believe it. I can it's believe true. it. But like, yes, my God, how dare they? That's kind of how I felt. But, you know, it, it is what it is. It's no big deal. And, uh, um, I would say not to harp on WWE things, but I do have to ask you this because I still haven't wrapped my head around it. How do you feel about everything that's happening there now? I mean, to see someone like Bray Wyatt just get let go. What is your reaction to something like that? I don't know what's going on. I mean, they say budget cuts, but aren't they like doing very, very well? They're in the green. Yeah, Let's so, I mean, but maybe that's why if I let everybody go, I don't know. I'm not in those meetings. I have no idea what's going on. I think it's obvious that someone like Bray Wyatt is going to be just fine if he chooses to be. Yeah. But I don't think you necessarily need to be a top guy like Bray to be just fine. You could be anybody and be just fine. But guess what? Newsflash. You got to fucking work. You got to <laughs> yeah. hustle. You yeah. got to bust your ass because it's not just going to happen for you. You like crumbs, make crumb cake, fucking do everything you can. Pro wrestling tees in these start a podcast, whatever your passion is, do something. It doesn't have to be a podcast, do whatever you want. But if you're just going to sit on your ass and think like you're going to make this WWE money, newsflash, spoiler alert, ain't going to fucking happen. What do you think about sort of the um, the general sentiment that it seems online, especially, or maybe that is people's mindsets in general, that as soon as someone is not in WWE, that instantly it means that they're going to sign to AEW and go and try and make the same money that they were making or just try and be on TV the same way? Like, what's kind of your feel on that? How many people can they take? Oh, exactly. Right? Yeah. How much money can you have to like, to then not start bottoming out themselves? You know, I was there for, I think I did like three or four shows and it was great. It was a great time. I loved it. It was fun. Uh, buzzworthy stuff. It was cool. Like meeting all these new people or teaming with Cody. But then at the end of the day, like they didn't offer me a deal and I didn't ask. So that was it. I was like, okay, time to move on. That was it. I'm not going to sit around and wait. I'm not going to sit around and, and cry. Like time to go do other things, you know? And it's not just that one option. It's not either WWE or AEW. I mean, like you said, I mean, you've been able to do impact. You're doing GCW. You're, you're able to bop around and do many different things and collect bank from so many different spots. But I think people's mindsets can be a little like narrow minded on that. Some, for some reason, I love working hard. uh, And I felt like in WWE for me personally, I wasn't able to work hard because like, I wasn't given the opportunity to work hard. Now I feel like I can work my ass up and listen, not everything's going to be a success. At least I have the opportunity to try. That's all I've ever wanted was opportunities. So like now, like it's in my, I have this safe in my house full of like graded trading cards that are worth money and, and cash that I make on the Indies. I just love <laughs> adding the cash. It's really exciting. It's yeah, we have it's one great. of those too. And I'm always like, Oh my God, is this like yeah. legal? <laughs> 
It is. And like, I, I, and then like, I take some cash out to go buy trade, like graded trading cards. Cause it's my new thing is like, whatever, but it's what like, is, wait, what is a graded trading card? What is that? Trading cards are in right now. Like they're very, very in. Okay. Is that like a brand no, of you them? Get them graded? Like there's companies that grade them like out of oh. like nine out of 10, you know, 10 out of 10. And they're worth like, it could be worth thousands and thousands of dollars. So like for me, like I said, I don't know anything about like stocks or bonds, but like I'll invest in a Macho Man rookie card. I can't like display them anywhere. So they're just like in protective cases in my safe. F off Bitcoin. You've got, you've got the trading cards. Who needs it? Um, how, how cool is it? I mean, for somebody like you, it says you want to work hard. You want to always be doing different things to not have been able to necessarily be in the, in the driver's seat during your time in WWE to now being able to do that in other promotions. How is that going in and like working in that, uh, in that mindset now? It's cool to just have like say, and for someone like me, I didn't necessarily have that say, and that's fine. I'm not complaining about that. It is what it is. Not everyone can be the top guy. Not everyone could win every match. And I get it. When it's a huge machine like that, you can only do so much. Exactly. But now like, I feel like an impact, uh, I have a lot of input or I help them out with like merch stuff. So I'm like, Hey, we should, we should be doing this. Like I don't even work there and I'm on these, these business calls about their merch, but it's fun for me. You know, it's fun. Or like, uh, I had this idea for like how we should debut Chelsea and like the entrance we should do. Like they wouldn't have listened to me if I asked to do that in WWE. Right. Would they have listened to somebody else? Sure. But not me. Right. But now like in these places, they, they are listening to what I'm saying. And not that I, I know everything, but I think that I, I do know a little bit. Yeah. You've been around, you know, some things by that. Uh, and one other thing that I always find really interesting about you and, and, um, you know, after listening to your episode with Chelsea and just, you know, knowing you over time, and this is something that John's always said about you too, is how, and I mean, your tagline is always ready, but that is such a thing for you to always be in incredible shape, always be tanned, always look the part, always be there, like ready to go. How hard is it to maintain that over, you know, the past 15 years or whatever. It's become a lifestyle. But listen, I'll also say, I think I also invented the passive aggressive, negative, bitter tweet. I think if you go back to like 2012, when my whole YouTube run was getting killed off, I think I was doing them then before anybody else, before it was cool to pitch on the internet. So I was definitely in a bitter spot, uh, you know, negative spot. I would always, and I'm not proud of that, but that's the truth. I was. And then one day I realized like, Hey, guess what? Like bitching on the internet or being miserable it's not changing my situation in the company and it's not making me any happier. So like, I just changed my mindset. And, and in this wrestling business, there's only a couple things you can control, like really truly control. And that's your physique. No one's going to say you can't work out. Yeah. Right. No one's going to say that. No one's going to say like, like, you can't have nice gear. You can't, oh, that, that gear is too nice. <laughs> you can't, you spend too much money on that gear. And then also nobody can say you can't be happy. Right. So you control your attitude, your gear and your physique. And I just tried to like kill those three things. For instance, if Vince McMahon is watching main event one day, he says, why are we doing anything with him? Oh shit. Two weeks later, I win the intercontinental WrestleMania. Listen, it's not always going to happen like that, but you never know. So you always got to be ready for any situation. If you're not getting opportunities every single week, when you actually get one, you better be fucking ready because if you blow it, that's on you. Do you like meditate or anything to like think about these things like every day? So, okay. So I'm not naturally positive person. I'm definitely like naturally like a half, was it half glass? Empty yeah. Person. Yeah. Like being a pessimist. Yeah. But I, I'm trying, actively trying to, to change my ways. And I've been for the past like decade or so, but every day. I wake up and I list things I'm grateful for and goals. And it just like instantly puts me in like a better spot. 
I don't do that, but I think about doing that because that really is the thing of like, kind of like set your intention every day just to keep yourself on track because it's very easy to veer off of that, whether it's just by like a little peg each day that all of a sudden you're like, fuck, now I'm miserable because I've let myself fall down this rabbit hole. But to kind of keep your train on the tracks by, yeah, setting those intentions every day. Yeah. And not every goal has to be like a long term goal. It could be some short ones, because then if you achieve those short term goals, you build confidence and gain momentum. And like, why not write down your goals every morning? Like if you can't spend five minutes writing down your goals, they're obviously not that fucking important. Think about that. If your goals aren't worth five minutes a day, how important are they? What did you write down today? So I didn't write them down today. I'll be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I was in a rush. I had to do legs. I had to do this podcast. All right. So maybe it's like an every other day, but you're still maintaining the focus. I respect it. So there are some things like I want to be on the cover of Muscle Fitness. That's one of them. I want to be a world champion. Mission accomplished. I'm the GCW world champion. So I guess I I guess I achieved that. Uh, What else is on there? I want this podcast network to turn it to something even bigger. I want it to be like, I want it to have like a TV show. I want it to just like, I love wrestling. I don't want to have to wrestle. And I think like I'm almost there. Like, I, I just want the podcast to be its own thing where like the, the wrestling is like the fun part. Um, okay. And who is on your um, wish list to work with wrestling wise? There's so many people like uh, your husband. I would love to have a death match with your husband. Oh my God. Imagine that. I wrestled him a bunch of times, but, and then for a while I was like the guy, if someone was coming up from FCW or NXT, like I'd wrestle them for a couple of months, uh, like on the live events or dark matches. So I worked him a lot, but even like, there's like a, I say great match. He probably doesn't even remember it, but I wrestled him in China once for like the U S titles, like really, really cool for me. So, but I would love to wrestle him these years, all these years later in this like more hardcore deathmatch style. That would be insane. Oh my God. I would be like nervous to watch that. I would be the ultimate heel there. People <laughs> would hate me. Uh, and like, I love to wrestle like Kenny Omega. Everyone says he's the best, right? So I've never, I, I might have wrestled him in deep South wrestling. I doubt it. He was there at the same time I was, but I don't think we ever touched there. Uh, Jay White, just so many, and like impact is guys like, like Moose. I'd love to wrestle Moose or I had a, I had a fun match with Sammy Callan. I'd love to wrestle him in like a deathmatch style match. I said this when I got released, I felt like it was Christmas morning and all these wrestlers were like these, these wrestling toys that I could open and play with. Like if you're having your, your fig fit as a kid, Oh, I got, I got the headbangers for Christmas. You know, like <laughs> that's what and I just wrestled the headbangers, like stuff like that's cool for me, you know? Yeah. I mean, I feel like now people are going to have you're going to you're going to have a fan base of people that are going to want to see this all kind of come together and see this other side of things that you're capable of doing. And like now, guys, listen, I'm not I'm not I'm not doing death matches every weekend. So don't don't email uh, (laughs) bookmackcardone at gmail.com and think I'm doing a death match at your local indie. I'm just saying, I mean, Uh, maybe you can take a little of the pressure off of my household and you can fulfill that void. And and we don't have to, I'm saying we, he doesn't have to do it. You can do it. It's all you. Um, All right. Well, dude, I really appreciate having you on finally, even though these are like back to back. It has been a little while. You didn't have the Singh brothers on before me, did you? No. Okay, good. Just making sure. <laughs> no, but you know what? They did dodge me and they did Jericho's show. So I love the Sing Brothers. I love the Sing Brothers too. If, if they do something before me, I can't do it. <laughs> yet. You're in the clear, but I will I will let them know that the sentiment is out there that, that you were definitely on the show before them. Um, all right, I will let you get to stretching out your legs. You just had leg day. Get those arms out, keep them out. That's what the people came to see. I've also started cutting the sleeves off of my That's shirts. Right. So I understand where you're coming from. Uh, and best of luck to you with everything. Really excited to watch everything and continue to uh, see where you go. And hopefully um, you won't be bleeding out in your shirts. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Yeah. Hell yeah. Thanks, dude. 
Big thank you to Matt for hanging out with me. Coming on the show back to back. We've got a little bit of that happening right now. Um, coming up, I have Sami Zayn as a, also a repeat customer on the show. There's a little bit of that happening, but it's all for good reason. It's They're all interesting people and have different things going on that I'm like, hey, wait, can you come back so that I can have you on the show? Because I got some questions for you. Um, so there's a little bit more of that happening in the future here on Oral Sessions, but you guys are going to like it. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Renee Paquette. Follow uh, at The Volume Sports on Instagram and Twitter. There's a bunch happening uh, with The Volume, other podcasts that you guys might want to check out to scratch that sports itch. Get into it. Check it out. See you guys in the next episode. Yeah.